0: you're listening to the broadway podcast network hey
1: everybody it's ken davenport and i wanted to say thank you for listening to the producer's perspective podcast you're now listening to a special mini series the producer's perspective podcast live from the pandemic these are recordings directly from the facebook live series i started during the coronavirus pandemic where every single night i interviewed a broadway luminary and chatted about what they were going through, how they were dealing with it, and what they expected Broadway and theater to look like when it was all over. So join us for this very special episode of the Producers Perspective podcast live from the pandemic. Bring on the man of the hour right now, Mr. Kenny Leon from Georgia. Welcome, Kenny. Hello, hello. How you doing, Davenport? So you're you're a master director, Tony Award-winning director. What's one thing you've learned about directing that you're like, oh, I'm going to start doing more of this? Like that, even you've learned in this process. What's one thing that you you've learned? Well, I had started doing it when I did
0: American Son for Netflix last year with Kerry Washington. And then the year before that, I worked with uh, Lauren Ritloff on Children of a Lesser God. And I had started listening to the voice of women more Mm -hmm. because I realized sometimes as a director, you think you have it all, you think it's right there. And even for me, I'm a liberal minded thinking guy, but I realized that I just wanna hear the woman's voice more and I wanna protect the sacredness of that voice. And I think that uh, what, how we have treated women in our country for the last hundred years have been like, that's not cool. And even me who thought we were doing okay, I realized that I'm not. So I'm really interested in um, the women's voice. I'm really interested in, into how to integrate music more in the dramatic art form. And if you know, the last two or three things I've done, uh, Much Ado About Nothing, uh, American Son, and A Soldier's Play, I use more music in those productions. So I'm I'm more curious about how to integrate music into dramas.
1: You You mentioned that you were reading or looking at things that you wanted to do in the future. And Eric Christopher Jones here asked you that same question. Is there a story, book or script that you'd love to direct? Is there something you haven't done that you're dying to do right now? 100%, there's a lot of things. Um, But for a long time,
0: uh, about three years ago, I did a, 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 when the hurricane happened in Puerto Rico, I did a benefit with, um, with Broadway Across America uh, involving, uh, the Captain Avengers cast, uh, 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 Scarlett Johansson and, and that whole team. And we did a one night event and we raised $500,000 and reading our town. So when I was growing up, our town was just, Oh, that's the, that's the white, uh, high school stage manager play. It has nothing in it for me. And then I discovered that if you diversify that cast, Racially and generationally, you can discover a beautiful play that is just one of the best plays ever um, put on paper. So, for me, I would love to do Our Town for Broadway, and I would love to do it and casting it with um, with uh, uh, some older actors and then some people of color, and and and, and then integrate music there in a way that's uh that's different than it's been used in the past because the only thing that separates cultures is like you know what we do like uh i love jewish tradition you know i love their marriages i love their weddings i love the, you know and then i look at the traditions of, 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 of a southern black guy you know what i mean like our funerals are long uh, uh our dinners are long I, you know so i look at those things that separate us and usually you can just Find a way to integrate music or integrate the specifics of that culture into one of these bigger plays to have a universal appeal for everybody so i tried to do that a little bit with much ado and i tried to do it with soldiers play but i would love to do our town
1: are you working on this
0: no i'm not i don't have um i think i think the rights are tied up somewhere but i would love to do um and i would love to do our town
1: I'm gonna make some calls tomorrow just to find out a little bit more, or we'll talk because that's a fascinating. That's a fantastic idea. Fantastic, and I know idea. it's one of those things like
0: I just see it in my head so so clearly. See, yeah.
1: Uh, Heidi Swartz Casson asks here: uh, Do you have any favorite young writers or directors? Like, who who do, who are you looking at as the next generation? As like a lot who? of people. You know, I, I used to run a, a
0: theater company called Kenny Leon's True Colors Theater Company in Atlanta, and uh, the new artistic director, Jamil Jude, uh, handed the theater off to him a year ago. He's he is incredible. Um, uh, does an amazing job. Uh, the the artistic director at Oregon Shakespeare Festival is really amazing. Uh, uh, St. Louis Repertory has a wonderful new artistic director there as well. Uh, Camille uh, Forbes, who used to be one of my associates, who's now running the Apollo Theater. That girl is fierce. She's a fierce director. And uh, yeah, I would hire her if I was a producer in a minute.
1: So why? What, what makes someone a fierce director? What do you think? I, what I
0: find uh, in directors that I respect, they have passion. They have, uh, they have passion and they have a way of telling a story that engages you even if you didn't want to go along for the ride. Um, and most of the time I'm excited by plays that have directors, I mean, actors in the same story. Plays that don't work for me, productions that don't work for me, it feels like the actors are fighting for themselves. It feels like this actor's in that play, this actor's in this play, but, but when I go to see a play and you have 10 actors and all 10 of them tonally are in the same story, going up the same hill, that's totally directorial. you know. And it takes a lot to get 10 actors to go up a hill, you know, the same way, with the same force, same tone. Uh, so, and you can see that. It's like, I stand in the back of theaters and if my head is doing that and everybody else's head is doing that and somebody is asleep, I'm like, oh, there is no focus. There is no, there." Is what I call controlled focus. So when I see a young director, I stand in the back of the theater and I see how the audience is taking in the work. If they're all looking the same place, over two hours then somebody has did a done a good job of you know geometrically putting people where they need to be emotionally setting a tone uh,
1: uh, moving the energy along um, yeah hmm. what do you think the o- audience is going to be like when we get back up and running do you think this is going to affect either the types of shows that they want to see their responses, who knows? Uh, some things we
0: don't know. So I look at the things we can control. Um, I think just like how now I realize that I miss my grandkids, I think people are gonna realize how much they miss storytelling,
1: mm-hmm. and how
0: much they miss being in the same room with people and how they miss going to a restaurant after a great play. So I think, um, I think people are gonna want that back. And hopefully we'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll solve this um, uh, the, the virus issue, so we can get back to what what we give to society. So I think it'll be, I think it'll be better because I think we'll we'll learn some something from what we have been through, and we'll probably integrate that into what we loved all before. If
1: you could pick, if there could only be one play written about the pandemic, only one, who would you want to write? Oh. And I'll give you living or
0: dead. Okay. Well, living, I would want um, um, uh, Jeremy Harris, who did Slave play, play, to work with. Um, uh, my friend who wrote Inheritance. Ah. So I want Matthew and Jeremy to work together. Well, that's uh, And just go somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> One thing about, I like, and I'm not saying that um, I necessarily loved Slate Play, but what I did love about it, I love that writer. I love. I loved his head, you know what I mean? And I love the the way Matthew thinks. So I'm looking for artists who are thinking and who are courageous to just put it on paper, you know? And it's like my friend, August Wilson used to say, when people would, you know, give him notes
1: after a play, he would say, where were they
0: when the page was blank?
1: <laughs> Terry, Crandon asked about how you got involved with The Wiz Live, and I saw you on the set of Hairspray Live. Tell me how you've enjoyed doing those live theater experiences. We're not seeing any more of them right now. Um,
0: well, yeah, you see a few. I mean, you know, you said Jesus Christ Superstar, but what happened was Bob Greenblatt, who was the passion behind those live television shows, uh, who is who no longer at NBC. So he's at HBO now. So, you know, that was his baby. And then um, Craig Zayton, who was Neil Marin's partner, you know, he passed away a couple years ago. So, you know, the live musical uh, format sort of lost its steam, but I think it's still going to come back. I think there's a. Uh, it was the most scariest thing ever uh, to do Wiz Live because we did the Wiz Live after it was on the Sound of Music, and then it was um, uh, Peter Pan, and then they called me to do the Wiz Live. So no one had a a roadmap, no one knew how to do this. And it was scary as, you know, it was scary, but it was also one of the most rewarding things ever. Uh, Derek McLean designed the set for us and we had to figure that out. And, you know, the first thing that people always talk about when you're developing those things is, well, what about the audience? Do we need an audience? And I always felt like the audience were the people at home. I did not want the people at home to look at other people looking at the art. I wanted to bring the art to the people at home I wanted to treat them like they were in the theater. And hopefully if they had a good experience, then they would tell their friends to go see more live theater. And then Hairspray, oh, Jared Mitchell and, and, and Harvey, those guys were great. And we had 800 people on the crew for Hairspray Live. And that's when I talked to young people. I said, you know, everybody can't be an actor. Everybody can't be a director. But if there were eight hundred people on the crew for Hairspray Live, that means there are eight hundred different jobs. Research, find out what you know what you care about. You like you like costumes, you like clothes. There's a place for you. You like uh, uh, dealing with uh, sign language or understanding hearing. They got a place for you. You know, but do your research, and there's a lot more places for people to work. You know, in front of the camera, behind the camera. Um, and also last year I had opportunity to do, I did Dynasty, I did a musical episode of Dynasty, which I really love. You know, uh, uh, Liz, who's a star of that show, she's just really incredible. But that was exciting to me. So I like to go back and forth from stage, episodic, live musicals. You know, I did Tony Morrison's opera once upon a time. So I've done opera. Um, I, uh, I feel like I'm blessed.
1: Well, speaking of, that was terrific advice, and, um, but- what if Emily Barnett uh, asked if you have any advice for a young actor of color from Gainesville Theater Alliance wanting to audition, or just if she's not yet ready to go to one of the other 800 jobs, she wants to be an actress, what would you tell a young lady and a young lady of color uh, to do to make it as an actress?
0: Call um, Keneally Young's True Colors Theater Company. Look at this. Gabriel Jude is the artistic director there. They have auditions, I think, uh, biannually for non-equity actresses and actors. So, just look up the phone number or call them
1: at truecolorstheater.org and they can help you out. Look at that. That is an actionable item right there. I love it. Any other tips, Kenny, on, for all of us on getting through this and, and maintaining the incredible positive attitude that you have? and.
0: But I just take it from my mother. Don't don't. I'm not getting overly religious here. But my mom said, "God is good in the troubled time, and God is good in the peaceful times. It's the same God. So there are things we can learn now that we can apply to when times get better. And just think, whenever things have been bad in our lives, didn't we always get past it? So let's get past it. And um, this you know, love is strong. Love is love is strong." Love is strong, is the biggest force on the planet.
1: I love that. And I love you. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, man. I'm to seeing you soon. I'll give you a call. All right. Peace. Peace. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to this very special episode of the Producers Perspective podcast live from the pandemic. If you enjoyed tonight's episode, do us a favor and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And hey, while you're at it, leave us a big standing ovation review, will you? And check out my Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Ken Davenport for more live stream interviews just like this one. Except on the Facebook page, you can actually see our faces. So check it out at facebook.com backslash Ken Davenport. We'll see you there. We're
0: getting
1: the band back together. We're getting the boy to wrap to the